0: Welcome to the Mean Lady Talking Podcast, the tough talking, advice giving show by the not really mean Mean Good Lady. Everybody, Susan Mary, J. Host, mean lady Talking Podcast. Now, welcome to episode sixty two. I want to give a shout out to my Patreon supporters. And I've thanked everybody individually to everybody who supported the podcast in the previous episode. And I'll start that up again next week. But I wanted to thank everybody now. And I also want to let you know that this podcast is still not self-supporting. But I'd like to thank my supporters and hope that we can keep it up. But if the podcast is not self-supporting by September, I'm going to end it. So if you appreciate the podcast, it'll continue. I can't continue to finance the podcast. And the podcast takes a lot of time. A 45-minute episode takes four to six hours to edit. And I have to pay for Libsyn distribution. I have to pay for SoundCloud. I have to pay for the website. And then Patreon will take a percentage of what you give me. And then Stripe, which is my payment processor, they take a percentage. So it's far from being self-sufficient. So if you want the podcast to continue, please go to meanladytalking.com, go to patreon.com and sign up. Now, I dropped a mini episode. I put it on Patreon for anybody who's entitled to a mini episode. That is up there. And anybody who's getting written content, I sent the first one out last week and I'll send another one out soon. And the bonus episode, please, if you're a Patreon supporter, I want to hear from you. Please let me know what you want to hear for a bonus episode, for a mini episode. You don't have to say hi. You don't have to say how you doing. Just Just shoot me an email and say, this is what I want to hear. And I wasn't quite sure what I was going to talk about on this episode, but then somebody sent me an email and said, can you please explain get back where you belong? So I talk about get back where you belong messages in a few different ways. One of the ways that I talk about is when we set boundaries. We will usually get from dysfunctional others, get back where you belong messages, either directly or indirectly, because they don't like the fact that we're suddenly sticking up for ourselves. So they'll do things to undermine us. And the messages get back where you belong. Whenever we change, other people are forced to change and they don't like it. They realize that they have to come up with something new and they have to behave in a new way with us and they don't like it. So they undermine us either directly or indirectly, the covertly or overtly by giving us get back where you belong messages. We also do that to ourselves with boundaries. We'll start to second guess ourselves. We'll start to think, oh, we're being mean. Nobody's going to like us. So that is one way that we use get back where you belong messages against us. But the person that wrote this email is talking about get back where you belong messages and affirmations. If you want more examples about boundaries or other examples, let me know. But for this particular podcast, I'm going to talk about the way that we can also undermine our own progress and our own self-respect, our own self-confidence, and how we can shortchange ourselves, or allow others to shortchange us by allowing get back where you belong messages to rule our behavior, our thoughts, and our feelings. Okay, so here we go. I've talked about it in the past and I talk about it in the Power Affirmations booklet that my parents always said to me, you're smart, but you have no common sense. Now, my parents, especially my mother, went out of her way to point out every dumb thing I ever did. And because I was the only adopted one in a family of three biological children, I also was the only one who never got left back or who never who never flunked out of school. And it wasn't because my siblings were dumb. My older brother went to college. He was a fireman on the New York City Fire Department, and he went back to college for fire science, and he retired as a captain on the New York City Fire Department. My sister went to college, got a master's degree. My younger brother had trouble reading when he was younger, but then he became a voracious reader later on. None of them was stupid, but they all had either been left back or flunked out of of a school. And I heard about this forever and ever and ever, but I never thought that they were dumb. They were all readers and, and I didn't really think much of it, but my mother had to always put me down whenever I would give her a straight air report card, she would look at it and go, Yeah, you're smart, but you have no common sense. And when my brother had to go for tutoring in the summertime, I had to get out of the pool. It was like I wasn't allowed to enjoy myself because my brother had to go to summer school. And I never like I never knew why that was. But my mother definitely wanted to downplay any indication that I was smart. I remember they didn't want me to go to kindergarten because they said I was reading when I was two. And what are we going to teach her in kindergarten? And then several times in elementary school, they wanted to skip me. and My mother said no. And I don't know why she didn't want them to skip me, but she always said no. And they would say to me, you're getting too big for your britches. Whenever I thought that I had done something that was smart, they always let me know that I was not that smart. I was very clumsy as a kid. And when I started studying grief and grief theory, I learned that a lot of times, and I write about this in Getting Past Your Breakup, that part of the symptoms of grief is being very disorganized, you become very disoriented, you tend to forget things, you become highly distractible, you lose things, you forget things. And how that manifests in children is that they become very clumsy. And I know that when I was a kid, I was grieving over the fact that I wasn't with my brother. I was grieving over the fact that I wasn't with people that were biologically related to me. And I was very clumsy. And that is how a lot of kids manifest grief, is becoming very clumsy. And I remember knocking over gallons of milk. I remember pulling the tablecloth away from the table at a restaurant and taking all the dishes with me. I remember doing all these things, and my family would say, You're an accident waiting to happen. And when you're very hypervigilant, you're nervous about being clumsy and you feel like you're going to knock things over. All you do is knock things over, it just makes you clumsier. And I learned when I started doing affirmations that you become what you think about. And all I kept thinking about when I was a kid was the fact that I was always knocking things over. So, what did I do? I kept knocking things over. And then my parents would take that clumsiness and keep it as evidence about the fact that I had no common sense. And I wasn't really that smart. And any little thing that I didn't do right, my mother would pick up and magnify it to the nth degree. I remember in my first grade, my teacher would give out these little cards with the spelling words on it. it, Every Friday, we had a spelling bee. And one of my first cards in first grade had the word neighborhood on it and I could spell neighborhood backwards and forward but there was one word on there I couldn't spell it was the t-h-e the and for some reason every time she would drill me on the words I get neighborhood completely right and the I would like stare ahead like I couldn't get the and my mother never let me live it down I could be doing something, doing it well. And she would go, yeah, but how do you spell the? And I'd be 16 and I would be looking at something or doing something and I'd be doing it well. And she would go, yeah, but how do you spell the? And she would do that with all these different things. Now, she never reminded people that I could spell the word neighborhood, but she reminded me for the rest of my life that I couldn't spell the. And my parents... Has that little nugget, she's smart, but she has no common sense onto my first husband, who also had been left back in the first grade and also wasn't a reader and also wasn't good with books. And he would say, oh, she's smart, but she has no common sense. And he would say it all the time. So he was able to use it against me as well. Anytime I did anything wrong, you're smart, but you have no common sense. And I, I still don't know what that means. You can't get too big for your riches. So this is what happens. We build our own inner bullies and critical judges. We build them inside of ourselves based on things that other people have said to us. And when we come into this program and we first start trying to do our affirmations, we first start to, trying to do our positive self-talk. Whenever we do something that's not okay, this we make a mistake, it comes back to us and we get down on ourselves with the get back where you belong messages, because that's our inner dialogue. Like whenever I would do something, if I would feel good about a test score, figuring something out, you know, sometimes you're going along and you're, you can't quite figure something out. or You can't quite get something, can't quite do it right. And all of a sudden it clicks in and you go like, wow. And then whenever I would feel good about that, my immediate thought would be, yes, but you have no common sense. So any time you start to feel good about doing something, you think about the messages that other people gave you. Other people gave you messages to keep you down. So even though my report card said that I was smart, my test score said I was smart, my teacher said I was smart, I couldn't affirm that for myself because my parents said I had no common sense. So apparently being smart isn't worth anything unless you have common sense. But many times a positive quality can be so threatening to other people because they have to put you down for it. And I'm sure you've met people that this has been true for. And I'm sure that there's times where it's been true for you. You must have met people who are objectively better than average looking and they just can't see it. They're not trying to be falsely modest. They really can't see it. They think, oh, you know, my nose is too big or my ears are too long or my hair color is not right. I got this funny freckle on my face. And even though they're better than average good looking, they put themselves down and they really mean it. It's not false modesty. It's because somebody in their life was threatened by their good looks and made them feel like they're not really that good looking or you've got these flaws that they have magnified. So the messages are, you know, don't get so high and mighty about these good looks of yours because you have a little bit of curve in your nose and you have a little bit of thing on your teeth and your ears aren't quite perfect. So they haven't really gotten used to the fact that they're better than average good looking. They haven't accepted their good looks. They haven't embraced it. And it happens to people who have athletic talent, who play a sport really well. Maybe they're a better than average swimmer, better than average golfer, a basketball player, and other people have put them down. There's other people who are artistic, who are good painters, who are good drawers, good sculptors, but other people put them down and they just don't embrace it. There are some people who are musically talented. They have musical talent and they might be really good at it, but other people have said, well, yeah, you're okay, but you know, you're not great. And even as they practice and they think they're pretty good a little voice will come down and say yeah you're okay but you're not really great and that's the voice of the inner bullies and the critical judges there are people who will never give you a compliment about your best quality they'll never give you a compliment about your accomplishments they'll never give you credit or accolades no matter what And the message is we're not giving it to you and you can't give it to you. That's why I work so hard when I teach affirmations to get people to start with their foundation affirmations so they can at least start to recognize the good qualities and give themselves permission to acknowledge them, to embrace them. One of the things that I've taught over the years is that you first have to accept and believe in your good qualities, good qualities that are not in dispute. And I'm sure you have them. I'm sure there's other people have said, oh, you have nice eyes, you have good hair, you're a good writer, you're a good painter, you're good with automotives, you, you can build something, you can fix things. I'm sure there are people in your life that are not your dysfunctional family, not your jealous cousin, not this person at work that always puts you down. But there are people in your life who have truly had your back and who have given you compliments. And even if you're not in a place because of the way you were raised and give yourself compliments, I teach people to say in your affirmations, people tell me I have nice hair. People tell me I have pretty eyes. People tell me I'm a good writer. People tell me I'm a good painter. People tell me I'm a good artist. People tell me I'm good with automotive stuff. People tell me I'm a good golfer. And then work yourself up to getting rid of the people tell me so that you can actually give yourself permission to affirm it for yourself that you're a good whatever because eventually you have to give yourself credit for that. You have to eventually give yourself accolades and you have to stop listening To the critical judges and the inner bullies who come in and say, Nope, can't talk about that. Can't talk about that now. That's the get back where you belong messages that suggest that you belong in a place where you don't give yourself compliments, that you belong in a place where you don't give yourself accolades, that you belong in a place where it's egotistical to say nice things about yourself. I know that when I first started working with my affirmations, one of the reasons that I really started to embrace the fact that I had to say I was smart was because I realized that not embracing that I was smart was probably part of the reason why I got into so many dumb situations. One of the things I had to do was start applying the fact that I was too smart to be in these dumb situations. Maybe if I had been allowed to tell myself that I was smart all these years, I wouldn't have been in those dumb situations. But because of the way that I was raised, I wouldn't let myself say I'm too smart for this or I'm too smart for that. It never kicked in. It would have been a great defense against some of the dumb situations I found myself in with some of the dumb guys I found myself with. If I had only allowed myself to think, hey, I'm too smart for this, it would have helped me immensely. But I couldn't give myself permission to say I'm too smart for this. So the first thing I had to do was give myself permission to say I'm smart on a daily basis without following it, but you have no common sense. And I talk about my hair. When I was little, my mother always wanted me to cut my hair. She used to say that I had a bird's nest, a rat's nest in my hair. Everybody in my mother's family had their hair short. They all had these little sparrow faces like Audrey Hepburn. They all wore their hair short. And I was always told, but I I have a different bone structure. I have a heavy bone structure. And when I was in my 30s, I finally let my hair grow out. And strangers would compliment me on my hair. And I would realize that, oh my goodness, they were all trying to get me to cut my hair all these years because they didn't want me to have nice hair. And I thought, you bastards. I mean, honestly, my therapist had to talk me into having my hair professionally done. And then I let it grow down to my butt and everybody in the world would give me compliments. There was a guy in my town who said hello to me in London. I lived in this little town in Massachusetts and I'm in London. This guy says hello to me. I just looked at him like, I don't know who you are. And he goes, oh, I own that store that you come in all the time. And I was like, oh, really? I didn't realize it. I I'm, I mean, I'm in London. I don't know, you know what you're doing here. But he said, yeah, we call you the lady with the hair. And I just looked at him like, what? And he said, yeah, because you have such nice hair. Everybody talks about it when you're in the store. And when you walk out, we all call you the lady with the hair. And I thought, I cannot believe that my mother said my hair looked like a rat's nest. I mean, I was in my 30s before I was comfortable growing my hair long. And then all I did was get compliments on it. From everyone except my mother who still told me it looked like a rat's nest. So you have to believe that these people are not right. There are people who are jealous. There are people who are just uncomfortable with whatever your positive thing is. They're just uncomfortable. And maybe they're convinced that it's for your own good that you don't feel good about yourself. But whatever justification they could come up with, trust me, they are not right. When my kids were little, I had them do affirmations when I was first learning it. My mother flipped out. She was like, how could you tell them that they're good kids when they act bad and they run around and they act crazy? And I said, because they are good kids. She goes, but they do all these bad things. And I said, yeah, good kids do bad things. That doesn't make them bad kids. And she would argue with me about them. And I would say to her, my kids are not growing up like I did. My kids are not growing up with these crazy, corrosive, horrible messages, unable to give themselves a compliment. They're just not. And she would argue with me about it. She thought I needed a psychiatrist. That's what she told me. And when I would have my kids do their affirmations, I did it just like I teach affirmations. I'd make them visual. And my mother would just lose her shit over this. She'd be saying, I can't believe you're telling them what good kids they are. They're not good kids. Good kids don't run around. Good kids don't act crazy. My kids were allowed to run around and act crazy because they were little boys. And I thought that little boys should run around and act crazy, not like the way I was raised. And I said to my mother, of course, you can't believe it because you spent my entire life telling me what a bad kid I was. And when I was in my 30s, I confronted her about all the abuse. And she said, well, you weren't the easiest kid to raise. I mean, this is what she said to me. It was like talking to a wall. And this is one of the reasons why packaged affirmations don't work because they have to be personal. And you have to think back on all the different things that people have said about you that are untrue, the inner bullies and the critical judges that live in our heads and the messages that we got from other people. No package affirmation can help you with the messages that you got from other people. You have to figure it out. You have to figure out what messages you give yourself that say, get back where you belong. Like for me, it was, I'm smart. And then the message that said, get back where you belong was, but you have no common sense. Foundation affirmations are incredibly important. If you haven't done your foundation affirmations, it's time to do them and do them now. Think about your qualities. Think about your achievements. Think about your accomplishments and get rid of your tendency to gloss over them because the foundation affirmations are so important. It's important to get it right, and it is important to use it on the days where you're having a bad day. You have to embrace the things that other people try to take away from you. If you have a quality that other people don't have, celebrate it. Allow yourself to feel good about that quality. There are certain things I can't do. I'm not artistic. I don't have math ability. Math for me is like, you know, fingers and toes and then I'm done. I can't do anything beyond that. I'm not artistic. I can't do math. I'm not very musical. But if you're good at these things, celebrate that. Not everybody is good at those things. I'm not good at those things. I'm telling you, if you're good at any of the things that I've just listed, celebrate them. And I'm good at writing. And I finally got to the point when my first book was published by a major publisher that I'm like, wow. And then when my second book came out and Publishers Weekly, which is the voice of publisher, they're the be all end all of publishing and what they say counts. Publishers Weekly called Getting Past Your Breakup my acclaimed debut. And I was so uncomfortable with that. It took me years to put it on my website. And it just went on my website a few months ago because I was teaching affirmations one day and somebody had to talk me into that. They said I was reading the Publishers Weekly review of Getting Back Out There. How come you don't have that acclaimed debut on your website? And I went like, what we do, what we say, When we are trying to gloss over our achievements. I did exactly what I was raised to do. And then one day I thought about it and I thought, you know, you better put that shit on your website because if you don't, you're a hypocrite. And so now it's on my website. But it took me years You have to get comfortable with what it is about you. You have to get comfortable with what is good about you. And I talk in the affirmation booklet that when you do the affirmations, it wakes up your feel-good brain chemicals, and that brain wants you to feel good. And when we start feeling good about ourselves, those get-back-where-you-belong messages will naturally start kicking in. And you're not really going to know about it. It's not like you're going to have a vision It's not like somebody's gonna visit you in the middle of the night. It's not like the ghost of Christmas past is gonna go, get back where you belong. But you're gonna start to shortchange yourself on your affirmations. You're gonna start to forget to do your affirmations. You're gonna start to feel really uncomfortable with doing new affirmations. You're gonna start to backtrack in so many different ways. And soon you are going backwards. The way that I teach affirmations is they have to be done in increments and you have to make them a little uncomfortable, but not so uncomfortable that you scurry back the other way. You have to become very vigilant about your affirmations. The program doesn't work without affirmations and affirmations don't work if you don't do them every day. So if you find yourself not doing your affirmations or not putting a lot of thought into it or being so uncomfortable that you just want to run the other way, those are all symptoms of you unconsciously trying to get back where you belong. It's resistant. As I say in the Power Affirmations booklet, broad negative self-talk has to be changed in increments and sometimes in different ways. You have to write it, you have to say it, you have to put it on audio, you have to play around with them. And you have to think about it. You have to get comfortable with it. And like I say in the power affirmations, if you make a mistake, you say, oh my God, I'm such a screw up. You will continue to be a screw up. It enforces those old messages. It enforces the critical judges. It enforces the inner bullies. When you say, oh, I made a mistake. I'm such a screw up. You continue to screw up. We become what we think about. Garbage in, garbage out. You have to get rid of those negative messages. If you keep telling yourself that you're a screw up, you're going to continue to be a screw up. If you only say negative things about yourself and you ignore your good qualities, nothing is going to change. You have to not just not say negative things about yourself. You have to stop ignoring your good qualities. You deserve to acknowledge the good qualities that you have every single day, whether it's something you're born with, something you developed, whatever. Give yourself credit. I've written posts on examples of famous people who went through famous rejections. Like Decker Records said about the Beatles. They didn't like their sound. They said guitar music was on its way out. I mean, they were wrong, wrong, and wrong. There was a recording executive who said that Elvis Presley had no talent. There was a teacher who said that Einstein was stupid. These are people who don't know what they're talking about. If we're coming off a breakup, or we have a new rejection, or we have a bad day at work, or we're recycling in grief, those old messages start dancing in our heads. We think the old voices are right. I am a scrub. Oh, they're right. I'm not worth anything. Oh, they're right. This person doesn't want me. Therefore, the old people are right. We think we don't measure up. We didn't measure up to this new person. They either broke up with us or they didn't want to continue on with us or whatever. So we take the rejection to confirm the old messages that whatever it is we think is good about us has to be wrong. And then we just thought we should just forget about this whole affirmation business. You're going to feel uncomfortable with doing new affirmations, but you can't start to backtrack. You have to be vigilant because there's so many different ways to backtrack. And I talk about comfort zones and there's comfort zone exercises in the power affirmations booklet. And you have to make them a little bit uncomfortable, but you have to be very vigilant. The program doesn't work without affirmations and you have to know that if you're not doing your affirmations or you're not putting a lot of thought into it or you're being so uncomfortable that you just want to run the other way, those are all symptoms of you unconsciously giving yourself get back where you belong messages. It's resistance and this has to be changed in increments. You have to visualize your affirmations coming true, we will start to backslide. And we know the old messages are kicking in, even if we're not consciously thinking about it. When we start thinking, we should forget about trying to become better, we should forget about trying to make things good. And we should just get back where we belong. And we don't say that and it doesn't become a conscious thought, but our actions begin to manifest that we start going backwards, we start questioning things. We start thinking these affirmations don't work, or we have a lot of work to do. We'll never do it. We'll never get there. We start to doubt everything. It takes a lot of work to combat and silence the get back where you belong messages that live in our head and hold us back. But you have to do it. And you work on your affirmations, and you're doing good, and you have a little bit of confidence, and you start to feel positive, and you start to feel upbeat. And you start to believe you could conquer the world and then all of a sudden something happens. You wake up one day where you're recycling or you have a new breakup, you're having a bad day at work, or you start going out on a date and you're thinking, wow, I really like this person, we really click. this is amazing. And then all of a sudden you don't hear from them or you hear from them and they're like, yeah, I'm not really feeling it. And you're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like the world is ending. The world is ending. The world is ending. And it's all rejection. And you feel like somebody's saying, uh, not so fast, Mr. And Mrs. Affirming Yourself. You're not so big. You're not so bright. You're not so smart. I'm here to tell you. I don't want you in my life. And if you were anything worth anything, I'd want you in my life. And we take this rejection personally. All the old negative messages come rushing in. We're back to self-doubt. Our confidence just crushed. And we doubt our new positive beliefs. We doubt our affirmations. We go, yeah, right. I'm this, I'm that, right. The seeds of self-doubt are sown and if we're not careful, they will sprout and grow like the weeds they really are. After a rejection or after a bad day at work or after a day of recycling, it's doubly important to go back to your foundation affirmations, to do your affirmations and to keep believing and acting that the people in the past were not right, and the people who are evaluating us now and finding us lacking are not right either. After a rejection, after a day of recycling, after having a tough day at work, it's important to do your affirmations and keep doing them. If the Beatles had listened to Decker records and gotten back where they belong in obscurity in Liverpool, working at some factory jobs, Decca would have deprived the world of the music and the influence of the Beatles. Can you imagine the world without the song Imagine? Imagine a world without Imagine. Because that's what Decca Records wanted you to have. A world without the song Imagine. And the Beatles didn't listen and neither should you. Don't let the Deccas of the world keep you down. Keep working on your confidence and others will come along and see the vision that you see. You might meet people who form your secure base that I talked about in the attachment podcast. The people that have your best interests in mind and they help you understand how to change what needs to be changed and listen to the constructive criticism of the people in your secure base. I talked in the very first episode of this podcast about meeting people who their criticism was in my best interest. They had no dog in the fight. They weren't my abusive ex-husband. They weren't my dysfunctional family. They had no horse in the race. They told me things just for my own benefit. And they told me the truth about me, the truth that I needed to hear. There were people who belonged to my world because they saw in me who I was and they appreciated who I was. And they helped me sort out my real strengths and my real weaknesses. Find those people. Find your people. Have them help you objectively evaluate what it is you're trying to do. Whether you're trying to improve yourself, whether you're trying to have a side hustle, whether you're trying to change careers, go back to school, whatever you're trying to do. Whether you're trying to be a performer, you're trying to be an artist, you're trying to be a writer, you're trying to be a musician, whatever it is. Get feedback from others who have your best interests in mind not the negative Nellies and the critical judges. Don't get it from people who are just going to feed your inner bullies. If you're a writer and you've been told by writing instructors that you're a good writer, keep writing. If you've wowed people with your writing, keep writing. Don't listen to some editors, some agents. When I was shopping Getting Past Your Breakup, I had many agents tell me that the relationship book market was saturated. They said to me, you will never break through. I was told that by many agents. And yet, Publishers Weekly, the altar at which they worship, said that they weren't very bright. So if I had listened to those first agents, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now because I would have listened to them. You wouldn't have my book. You wouldn't be listening to me. So don't listen to them. There are plenty of people who suddenly now think that they're a writer and they go off and they self-publish and their book is filled with errors and bad writing and grammatical errors and it's just atrocious. But if you're really good at writing, you will break through. People will recognize good writer. Trust me on this. And if you play good music and you've gotten nothing but rave reviews, keep at it. Don't let one negative person hold you back. And if you are a person who can sing, who can really sing, not just singing in the shower, but you really can sing, keep singing. But you know, it's like, just like we have the dysfunctional families that tell us that we're not good at things we really are good at. There's also the dysfunctional families and you see them on American Idol, America's Got Talent, Britain's Got Talent, you know, all those shows that they've had these crazy dysfunctional families they're telling them they have a great voice and they have a terrible voice. They couldn't carry a tune if it was in their back pocket. And they've got these morons in their family telling them, go ahead. Go make a freaking fool out of yourself on national television. You have to listen for honest feedback. Not everybody's born to be a singer. Not everybody's born to play an instrument. Not everybody's born to do math. Not everybody's born to act. Not everybody's born to write books. Find out what you're good at. And do it no matter what. And don't be fooled by other people, whether they're very, very negative or they're so positive about something that you know that you're secretly not good at. I mean, it's like if somebody came along and told me I was really good at math. I remember when I was in Italy, I could say maybe three or four sentences in Italian and I used to really practice and practice and practice. I couldn't hold the conversation, but I would go up to Italians and I would I remember I used to ask um, where the post office was and then I was listening to the directions. I had no idea what they were saying. I practiced where is the post office for like an hour before I went into a store and asked where the post office was. And then they gave me directions. I had no idea what they said, but... People in Italy would always compliment me. Oh my! They would say to me in English, in perfect English, oh my goodness, your, your Italian is so good. And I would think, yeah, no, it's not. So you know deep inside when you're getting a false compliment, when somebody's just being nice. Find the people who form your secure base. Continue to do your affirmations. Go to the Power Affirmations booklet and work on those foundation affirmations. And anytime you're having a bad day, go to those foundation affirmations. Make absolutely sure you got it down. And don't let anybody hold you back. Don't stop believing in your dreams. Don't stop believing in things you know you're good at. Ignore the messages to get back where you belong. Keep doing your affirmations. If you have the Power Affirmations booklet, go to the Goals section, work on the Action Affirmations, and start putting those steps into practice. The Beatles didn't belong back in Liverpool and you don't belong back where you belong. You have to believe in your dreams. You have to believe in your own talent. You have to believe in yourself no matter what. Please do it. Surround yourself with people who appreciate the you that is you. Surround yourself with people who appreciate. Don't let one rejection, one breakup, one bad experience, one bad day sour you on you. Don't ever, ever think that those old negative people are right. They're not. Keep going. Keep doing it. Stay true to yourself and don't let those get back where you belong. Messages do you in. Watch your behavior. If you start to pull back on your affirmation, You stop doing them, you become bored with them, whatever. That's a sign of the get back where you belong messages. And you may not be aware of it, but it's happening. And become doubly dedicated to doing your affirmations. Don't let anyone tell you that you're not deserving to feel good about yourself. You deserve to feel good about you. Make sure you have those foundation affirmations down you can do this. Please do this. I completely appreciate your support. I hope the podcast will continue and I thank you all so much. Please go to MeanLadyTalk.com become a meanie and I'll talk to you guys next week. Take care guys. Remember you can do this. Take care everybody. Bye-bye.